Well, welcome to Calvary. We're so glad that you're with us here today. We are in week three of a series that we are calling Body Parts. Body Parts. Not those kinds of body parts, but Scripture describes or gives a picture of a body as the church. And it says that Christ is the head. How many understand that a body cannot exist without the head? Christ is the head, and then we as the church are the body. Those of us who know uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are all members of one body, the body of Christ. And each of us plays a part within the body of Christ. And so we have to stay connected to one another. You can't have just a bunch of rogue body parts, an arm over here and a leg over there and an eyeball here and an ear there. We have to stay connected to one another for the body of Christ to remain healthy and effective. Well, the enemy knows that because he hates it when God's people work together in unity within the body of Christ. So he'll do whatever he can to get all the body parts messed up and mad at one another. He'll start stirring the pot right? He'll start stirring the drama. He'll get people offended and upset at one another. He'll, he'll try to get us to bicker and fight with one another and question one another's motives and believe the worst in everybody. That's his tactic because one of the biggest hindrances to the body of the Christ functioning in health and effectiveness is unforgiveness. We're going to be talking about that today. Unforgiveness prevents the body of Christ from operating at optimum strength. So if we are going to be a holy, set apart for God, unified body of Christ, we cannot let unforgiveness and bitterness get into our spirit. And so everyone here today, in the, whether you're in the room or watching us online or listening to the podcast, we've been on the receiving end of some painful things. We've received some hurt and rejection and pain. We, we've been put in a position where we've had to make a decision whether or not we are going to forgive that person who inflicted the pain. And by the way, we've more than likely been on the giving end of that too, haven't we? Whether intentional or not, no matter what our motives may or may not have been, we've inflicted pain on someone that had to make a decision whether or not they're going to offer forgiveness to us. And so I like Charles Stanley's definition of forgiveness. He says, the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is a result of a wrong done against you. He says, the definition of forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is a result of a wrong done against you. And every one of us have had to come face to face with a decision whether or not we're going to free someone from the obligation to us as a result of the pain they inflicted on us. It could have been a best friend, it could have been a coworker, maybe a boss, Maybe a mom or dad, son or daughter, an aunt or uncle, a neighbor, a teacher, maybe a church leader, someone at school, whoever it was, they wronged you, they harmed you, and you have a decision to make. Will I carry the grudge 
Will I continue to fixate on what they did to me or will I release it and them to the Lord? See, I believe that it is God's plan for each and every one of us in this room or watching online to live in freedom. Man, it is obvious that, that the theme of today, even through the worship time in our message, is that we would be free. It's God's desire that you not walk in bondage to those things that happened in your past. Some of us need to be freed from our yesterday, the pain of those things that happened. However, bitterness and unforgiveness, it prevents us from walking in that freedom. And Satan knows it. That's why he'll just keep bringing that up, keep reminding you of how they harmed you, how they damaged you. Working within the body of Christ, there are going to be some relational issues. I mean, the heart is going to have to interact with the liver, and it's going to, the fingers are going to have to interact with the hands and the arms and the toes. And none of these body parts are separate. They can't operate separate from the body. So our relationship with one another ultimately affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way we interact with one another within the body affects the whole body. So this is really a spiritual maturity issue. This is really a discipleship issue. Our relationships with one another affect the whole body and it affects our relationship with God. As you can imagine, Jesus had some very thought-provoking things to say on this topic of forgiveness. He had a conversation with one of his disciples, Peter, in Matthew 18. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 18 right now. We're going to begin with verse 21. It says this, Then Peter came to him, talking about Jesus, and asked, Hey, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Just wondering, God, what do you have in mind here, Jesus? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Okay, so picture this interaction with Jesus and one of his followers, Peter. Peter probably thought he was being real generous by willing to forgive up to seven times for an offense done against him. Hey, come on, Jesus. Isn't that good? Surely that's going to earn me some heavenly rewards, maybe some heaven bucks if I forgive them. Well, in that culture, it was considered sufficient to forgive someone three times before withholding forgiveness. So forgiving someone seven times, doing that must have felt like really generous. I mean, Peter's like, I'm going above and beyond here. Well, it may have seemed that way, but Peter's proposal was still putting a cap, was still putting a limit on our forgiveness towards others. So Jesus said, Hey, Peter, let's raise the bar. How about we up the ante? I know you think seven times is generous, but how about 70 times seven? Now, for those of you that are quick with math, that's 490. Now, what Jesus was not saying is that on offense number 491, you are released from the obligation to forgive. That's not what he was saying. He was just using that large number to emphasize how important this issue of forgiveness is to God and in the kingdom of God. Peter thought he was being generous. I'm setting the standard at seven, Jesus. But Jesus blew that away and basically said, 
you always have to forgive. There's never an occurrence or an occasion where you are released from giving someone forgiveness. God will never give us permission to not forgive. If you're taking notes, you might, might want to write that down. God never gives us permission to not forgive, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of the level of pain and damage done to you. The Lord never gives us permission not to forgive. You might be thinking, well, you don't know what they did to me. They crushed me. They damaged me. They mocked me. They stole from me. I wish you could understand how they abused me. They molested me. They, they took from me my innocence. And I just want to say, I'm truly sorry for that. I really am. We want you to know that, that we feel your pain. We, we hear you. That was a very real thing that happened to you. And I wish I could take it away. I wish I could take that hurt and the pain and the damage away from you. But the, the truth is, is I'll never really be able to understand what you've gone through, what you've been through. I'll never understand that level of pain but you know there is one who can understand, and that's Jesus. Jesus has been there and done that. Jesus was mocked like no other. Jesus was made fun of. They tried to kick him out of the temple, tried to kick him out of the family. They abused him, made fun of him. He was betrayed. He was literally murdered by those who were closest to him. And you know what his response was? Even on the cross, he said, Father, would you forgive them? Because they don't even know what they're doing. And Jesus never kept record of wrong. He just forgave. So after Jesus told Peter, we should always forgive, Jesus goes on to tell a parable to illustrate just how seriously God takes this issue of forgiveness. Let's pick it up at verse 23. Therefore, Jesus speaking now, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, your translation might say 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents. Pastor Jay just sent me a screenshot in between services. The one translation said that that could have been billions of dollars. He couldn't pay. The servant couldn't pay. There's no way he could have paid that. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him. And he released him and forgave his debt. How cool is that? But... When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him just a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. 
Well, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, how dare you? I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Then Jesus said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is kind of a a rather intense story that Jesus is telling here. He's, again, he's emphasizing how important this issue of forgiveness is to the Father. He places a very high value on forgiveness. This king forgave millions, if not billions, of dollars to this servant. Jesus, again, he's using extreme numbers to emphasize his point. It was an extravagant amount of money. I mean, can you imagine owing someone that amount of money and then in one fell swoop, hey, those millions of dollars, it's forgiven. Poof, gone. I I can't imagine how freeing, how liberating that must have felt. I mean, the weight of the world has been lifted. So how does this guy respond? He goes and finds another guy who just owes him a few thousand dollars, and he gets violent with him. He, he grabs him by the neck, by the throat, gets in his face, and demanded that you better pay that thousands of dollars back right now. I mean, what a piece of work, right? <laughs> who, who does this guy think he is? He had been forgiven this huge debt, but couldn't forgive this little debt to his coworker. Well, I believe that's exactly how God sees our debt situation. We have been forgiven an incredible debt. Our sin may have been compared to millions, if not billions of dollars. There's no way we'd ever have enough time, ever enough money to pay that kind of debt back. But you know, thankfully, we don't have to pay it back. Jesus paid it back for us. Come on, that's good news, somebody. Jesus paid that debt for you and me. Through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the dead, Jesus freed us from the obligation that we owed because of our sin. Come on, anybody else thankful that God did that for you and me? That's awesome. David said it like this in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate. He's gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank the Lord. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Our God, our Father is wonderful. He is loving. He is forgiving. And because he's all those things, because he is forgiving, he expects you and I to be forgiving as well. And actually, 
if we don't, if we withhold forgiveness, there are consequences to be paid. And so if you're taking notes, I want to give you four consequences of unforgiveness. Write these down. Number one, unforgiveness affects us mentally and physically. And we could probably add to that list emotionally, psychologically, relationally, and on and on, right? In this parable, remember the king sentenced the unforgiving servant to prison. Well, when we don't forgive others, in a way, we sentence ourselves to a type of prison. A study from Johns Hopkins revealed that people who hold grudges are more likely to experience depression, anxiety, stress, anger, hostility, along with PTSD, high blood pressure, and many other health risks. It affects us physically, mentally. However, those who are quicker to forgive, the study says that that, that they have less depression. They experience less anxiety, less stress, Less anger. The survey goes on to tell us that 62% of American adults recognize that they are holding some sort of resentment in their heart and that they need to offer more forgiveness. Uh, that, That study reveals what I think we already know, and that's that God didn't design our minds and our bodies to handle or carry that kind of stress. We weren't created with the capacity to just go around doing life with all this bitterness, holding in all this resentment and unforgiveness. It it eats away at us if we let it stay inside of us. It slowly eats us away mentally, physically, emotionally. You might experience headaches, high blood pressure. We lash out. We have mood swings. Think for a moment about um, physical exercise. Clearly, I do a lot of that, as you can tell. You don't have to laugh quite so hard there. Think about physical exercise. There's a limit to our our physical uh, efforts. There's a limit to our energy. And we eventually have to slow down. We have to rest. We have to re-energize. And we have to refuel our physical bodies. Our bodies can only handle so much. Well, it's the same with our emotions. Our emotions and our psyche was, uh, was designed to only handle so much. We only have so much capacity that we can handle. Eventually, it reaches its limits, and then people fall into depression. Then they have to go to the doctor who prescribes them medication and pills. Now, I'd like to suggest that for some, that medication might not be the answer. Maybe it's forgiveness. I'm not saying that's for everybody. Certainly there are people, hear me, certainly there are people who need that, 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 that medication. But in general, hear my heart, in general, we are an over medicated society. Are you following me? We'd rather take a pill than offer someone forgiveness. God never meant for us to walk around with so much unforgiveness. It affects us physically and mentally and emotionally and on and on. Number two, unforgiveness affects our other relationships. 
What's inside of us spills out onto other people. I mean, how many times have you lashed out in anger or frustration at a loved one who did nothing wrong? They received the brunt of your anger. They didn't hurt you, but yet you lashed out at them. I've heard story after story of spouses who will take their anger out on their husband or their wife or their kids. The same husband or wife or kids who did nothing. They, they didn't do anything to deserve that, but yet they, they lashed out of them. They, they didn't treat them badly, but they're lashing out because someone 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago were bad to them. So they take it out on the loved ones right there in that moment. Listen, we have no business treating our family and our loved ones like jerks. <laughs> Especially when they weren't the result of the pain that we are experiencing. It's hard to be a fountain of love and joy and peace when inside of us is bitter and unforgiveness. What's inside of us spills out onto other people. It affects our other relationships. Thirdly, unforgiveness affects our walk with God. Did you realize that? A decision to withhold forgiveness is a decision to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. When we choose to hold unforgiveness inside of us, we are saying, I've got this, I'm gonna walk in the flesh, I'm not gonna walk in the spirit or the fruit of the spirit. I mean, if you know the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, withholding forgiveness keeps us from walking in the fullness of the spirit. God can't reside in a space alongside of sin. God can't habitate, can't live inside of us if we have sin, including unforgiveness and bitterness. Look at Galatians chapter six, verse seven, eight. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So if you live in the flesh and sow seeds of bitterness, sow seeds of unforgiveness, your harvest, Paul says, will be a corrupt harvest. It will be rotten and corrupt. Your life will be filled with pain and headaches and heartaches. So when we forgive those who have offended us, it removes that barrier that was between us and them and, frankly, between us and God. However, when we withhold forgiveness, when we say, I'm not going to forgive you, it puts a barrier there and cuts off God's blessing in our life. He cannot bless a life that is holding on to bitterness. Are you following this? I know it's hard, but you can take it. All right? Number four. Unforgiveness limits the flow of God's grace. This kind of goes along with number three, but unforgiveness limits the flow of God's grace. Now listen, we are saved by grace through faith. God loves you. 
You are one of his sons, his daughters. But when you walk in unforgiveness, it slows down and potentially even stops the flow of God's grace in our lives. With the measure that we use on other people, Jesus said that's the measure that will be used on us. So God will give you as much forgiveness as you give others. God will give you as much grace as you give to others. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus modeled for us how to pray when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. And at the very end of the prayer, he kind of adds a little addendum, a little PS, if you will, more details concerning this topic of forgiveness. He said in verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, good on you, because your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, if you know the Lord's Prayer, you'll remember just a few verses earlier. It says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, uh, forgive me of my sin as I'm forgiving others who have sinned against me. Now, from what I can tell in Scripture, this is the only part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus circles back and says, hey, I just want to make sure you're getting the message here. I want, want to make sure that you understand how important forgiving that person who offended you is. It's very, very important. In fact, in a way, he's saying that forgiveness is conditional. You're going to get forgiveness as you give forgiveness. Christ came to reconcile us back to our Heavenly Father. But he didn't stop there. He also wants us to be reconciled back to other members of the body of Christ. He wants to reconcile our relationship with the Father and our relationship with one another, vertical and horizontal. So we want to give forgiveness so that we can receive forgiveness from God. Jesus said not forgiving others cuts us off from receiving the Father's forgiveness. Now listen, Kelly got a text in between services. She's like, hey, check this out, babe. What, what do you have to say about this? And are you saying that I'm not saved if I withhold forgiveness? That's not for me to say. I'm just going to say that up front. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, if he's the Lord of your life and you're serving him, I believe you're on your way to heaven. You are saved by grace, by the finished work of Jesus, what he did on the cross. However, Scripture tells us that, that he's going to, uh, he's gonna, uh, like, give an account. He's going to keep records of how we treat one another. Our good works or our lack thereof, we will give an account for one day. And one day, he's going to reward us for those good things. So I'm not saying what that means in your life as far as salvation. I believe that if you surrender to him, you are saved. However, if you withhold forgiveness, I believe you are stopping the flow of God's grace in your life. Do you follow what we're saying here? Okay. So those are the four consequences of unforgiveness. Now, before we take communion, 
I want to give you five more truths real quick. And if I go too fast, just let me know. I'll be happy to email these to you. Number one, God loves the offender as much as he loves me. This is where it can get tough. That person hated on you. That person did a lot of damage to you. That person spread lies about you. That that person was spreading rumors about you and telling things to other people that were not true about you. That person may have taken your innocence from you. Whatever that person did to you, as hard as this is to understand, God loves that person as much as he does you. Just like you and I were created in the image of God, so was that offender. Just like you and I or a son or a daughter of God, so are they. They were created as one of God's children. For us, it's hard to imagine. God, how could you love that person for the evil they did? I understand that. That's why I'm glad he's God and not me, right? John 3.16 says, for God so loved just a little bit of us. Just a few of us. Now, that was a trick question for those of you that are new to the Bible. (laughs) For God so loved the world. He loves us all. That he sent his one and only son. God's love reaches all of us. Even the worst, the vilest of sinners. He loves all of his children. I know it might be difficult. I've been there. I understand But begin to try, at least, and see that person who hurt you the way that God sees them. He wants to redeem them. He wants to save them. He wants to reconcile back with that person. Number two, forgiveness not only sets them free, it sets me free. Forgiveness sets them free and me free. Now, remember our definition of forgiveness earlier, the act of setting someone free from the obligation to you that is a result of a wrong done against you. So canceling that person's debt not only frees them, you're free from that obligation, but it also frees me. I unlock my own doors to, for, to freedom when I forgive. And when we do that, it means that we're not going to talk about it anymore, okay? We're not going to find someone in the corner of the church hallway and say, remember what that person did to me? We're not going to gossip anymore. We don't have to talk about it anymore to anyone else. We've released it to the Lord. I forgive you. It's over. It's done. It's behind me. It's settled. I release you from the debt And bonus, I've now released myself as well. Forgiveness sets them free and me free. Number three, the person refusing to forgive is the ultimate loser. If we refuse to forgive, we actually become the ultimate loser. We might think that by not forgiving them, we are punishing them. I'm going to show you. I'm going to punish you by not forgiving you. But the truth is, we're really punishing ourselves, aren't we? All that bitterness or passive aggressiveness or or vengefulness, it actually is hurting us a lot more than it's hurting them. 
You may have heard this, that unforgiveness is drinking poison and hoping that they die. The poison that we're carrying eventually eats away at us. It eats away at our spirit and our soul and our emotions. So the person who refuses to forgive, they're ultimately the loser. Number four, forgiveness does not right their wrong. Okay, you need to understand that. Giving that person forgiveness doesn't nullify the bad thing that they did to you. Their actions are still wrong. There might still be some consequences that they have to pay as a result of what they did to you. Also, forgiving them doesn't mean that you cannot protect yourself. You, you can both forgive someone and protect yourself. Okay, it's not either or. Both can be true at the same time. But we do need to understand that there are consequences for our actions, good or bad. Scripture says we reap what we sow. However, remember that we don't get to be the one to administer the consequence. That's not my job. That's not your job. That's on the Lord. We leave that to the Lord. Forgiveness does not right their wrong. And then fifthly, their response is irrelevant. What do I mean by that? If they never, ever repent, let's say they never say, I'm sorry. Let's say they never apologize. Guess what? You can still forgive them. Your response doesn't dictate whether or not you forgave them. Okay, it's the same with our Heavenly Father. It's the same with Jesus. He's already done the work of forgiveness. Okay, forgiveness can, in, in, this, in this situation, is a one-way street. Now, reconciliation, that's a two-way street. It takes two to tango, as they say, right? But forgiveness is a one-way street. It only requires you. There are some people who, for whatever reason, may never repent. They may never apologize. They may continue to be a jerk in your life, for that matter. They want nothing to do with reconciliation. But in spite of that, that's all irrelevant. I can still forgive them in my heart and release that and release them to the Lord. Some of you have been damaged by people who are actually no longer living. They're no longer alive. And and you've been holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness to that person. You're like, man, how can I offer that person forgiveness when they're gone? Well, I believe that you can still forgive them even in your heart. Even in your heart, you can release that person who's no longer here. Release them to the Lord. My forgiveness is not contingent on their response. Do you understand what I'm saying? So whether or not they apologize, whether or not they say sorry, whether or not they repent, whether or not they even change their ways, I choose to forgive them in my heart. And remember, we forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. Last scripture, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still separated from God, living contrary to him and his word, he still loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. He led the way in giving us forgiveness. So if he can forgive, we can forgive. Amen, everybody? Amen. I'm just going to ask you right now, bow your heads, close your eyes. We want to give you time to response before we go into a time of communion. Let's just have very minimal moving around. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do some heart work with people in this place. Many of you have already been set free. Even, even during the worship time, you just felt those shackles falling off. But there are a few of you here today, after hearing God's word, you're recognizing, man, I've been holding some unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. So my question for you today is who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to offer forgiveness to? I don't know who it is, that person that harmed you, that wronged you. It could be a spouse. It could be a a former spouse. It could be some sort of a family member, someone from your past, a boss, a coworker, a teacher, someone in the church from years ago. Who do you need to release and offer forgiveness to? It's time to stop drinking the poison. And it's time to let them go. There are people that you've obsessed over for years. You've just fixated on what they did and what a bad person they are and how could they have done this. And you've been so upset. And they don't even give you the time of day. They don't think about you at all. They don't think about that thing. To them, it was never a deal. But yet, you have become a prisoner of your own making. You have chained yourself to that person. You've chained yourself to that event. It is time to get the key and unlock the door to your prison. Today, it is time for you to walk in freedom. It is time for you to walk in victory. So right now, I just want you to take a moment. You know who that person is. You've been thinking about them this entire sermon. I just want you to take a moment. Ask the Lord, first of all, to forgive you. If there's any sin in your life, just ask the Lord to forgive you. Lord, I'm sorry. And then ask the Lord, who do I need to forgive now? Lord, I forgive that person in my heart, and and maybe he's... Maybe the Lord's going to whisper in your spirit, hey, now you need to go tell that person. You need to call them up and say, I'm so sorry for not giving you forgiveness for that thing that you did. So why don't you take just a moment, do business with God. Pastor Sean and the team, he's going to lead us in a song of thanks for what Jesus did for us on the cross, the salvation, the redemption that he brought. and. As, as he does that, just right there in your seat, just remain seated for a, a couple more minutes. As he begins this song, as the team begins to sing, just do that, that final business with the Lord, okay? Make things right with the Lord. 
And then as you feel like the Lord is lifting that, you feel like you've released that person to the Lord, then would you join us on your feet and sing along with us? Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice.
Come on, aren't you thankful for that? Come on, just sing that chorus one more time. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me wide. Thank you, Jesus, you have awesome so great you know we read in the Old Testament where it was the blood of sacrificed animals that were needed to pay the penalty for our sin so they would sacrifice goats and rams and sheep and even sometimes birds and all of that but of course we'd, we'd sin again so we'd have to sacrifice more and more animals so one day God sent Jesus to this earth to be the ultimate sacrifice and you know what Jesus said I'm in Lord this is going to cost me my very life but if this what it takes to satisfy the penalty for sin I'll do it I'll go scripture says no greater love as any man than this, that, that they lay down their life for a friend. And that's what Jesus did for us. So guess what? We don't need the blood of animals anymore for payment of our sin. The blood of Jesus has washed us white. And so today, we're going to remember what he did. You don't have to be a member of our church to partake in communion. Hopefully you have a cup and uh, so I'm just going to ask you, let's get that bread ready to take. And we got, in fact, we've got some hosts here. If you don't have the bread in the cup, we've got some hosts. Just lift your, your hand. They'll, they'll find you. But thanks to Jesus' work on the cross, we've been freed from the obligation. We've been freed from the debt that we owed. He paid a debt he did not owe. Isn't that cool? We owed a debt we could never pay. We're talking millions of dollars here. There's no way we could pay it. Jesus said, I'm going to pay it. It's on me. All you have to do is believe in me. By the way, yet, if you haven't received him as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now and join us in communion. Just ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin, repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and then start walking with Jesus. Invite him to be the Lord of your life. So let's take the, the bread together. Of course, this bread represents the body of Jesus broken for our sin. Broken on the cross. His, his body was badly bruised and beaten and broken for our sin. Aren't you thankful that he gave his body, he gave his life for our sin? So with that thankfulness in our heart, let's take the bread together representing the body of Jesus. Now you can get your juice ready. Of course, 
The juice, the cup, it represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out, that was spilled out when he gave his life on that cruel cross of Calvary. Scripture says, there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And again, we don't have to, we don't have to use the blood of animals anymore thanks to the blood of Jesus. So with that thankfulness in our heart, let's take the cup together representing the blood of Jesus. Wow. What a powerful moment, right? Aren't you thankful that he forgave you? I'm so thankful. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's sing now. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus.